Well, good evening. We're thankful you're here this evening. If you have your Bibles with you, you can be turning to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, and we'll begin there in just a moment. We're thankful that you're here for those who've had an opportunity to participate in many of the things going on here today. And we look forward to our few moments of study here and encouragement together this evening. Tonight, we're going to take a look at a passage from Hebrews chapter 5 and make application to our life as we think about something that the Hebrew writer says that would apply to us today, that really should cause us to think. In Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse number 12, the Hebrew writer says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Tonight we want to talk for just a few moments about this idea of practicing discernment. Practicing discernment in our lives. Well, to begin, the question would be, logically, what are we even talking about? What do you mean to practice discernment or what is discernment? Well, one definition by W.E. Vine, if you've ever used Vine's uh, dictionary of Bible words, but the definition given there is a distinguishing or a clear discrimination. Oftentimes we think of that as a bad word, something we shouldn't do discerning, or even another bad word, certainly in our world today, judging. Nobody wants to be judged. People say, you can't judge, can't judge me. But to practice discernment wouldn't be to judge, in a sense. To see and identify by noting differences would be another way to, to describe discernment. To see and identify something or some things by noting differences, such as discerning or distinguishing good from evil, right from wrong, truth from error. Now again, we certainly live in a world today where that is sort of frowned upon, that people would do that, that you would say that something is right and something else is wrong, or that something is truth and something else is false or is of error. That's a dangerous road to walk down. And a lot of you know that. We've discussed that before in sermons and in various classes. But it's, it's true. It's rightfully so. that it, That's a, a difficult way to be when we can't call anything right and wrong. So when it says here that we are to discern, it's important that we think about what exactly that means. It is not, when we talk about discerning, practicing discernment, it is not choosing between the pleasant and the unpleasant it is not choosing between the pleasant and the unpleasant because oftentimes when we think about that it is not necessarily choosing between or excuse me it is choosing between the good and the bad because when we think about good and bad what is bad may actually be pleasant and what is unpleasant may actually be good for us sometimes it seems backwards, it's hard to even, even read that and understand it, but it is true sometimes that we need to choose between good and bad, even when it may be pleasant or unpleasant to us. It is not choosing what, is necessary, what necessarily pleases me, but choosing what is best for me. 
not necessarily choosing what pleases me, but what is best for me and others and the church and even the gospel from time to time. So we need to understand exactly what we're talking about. One of the other things that's mentioned here in Hebrews chapter 5 in verse number 14 specifically is this idea of by reason of use. The Greek word here means by reason of practice or habit. Again, depending on the version that you're may, you may be looking at, it may say the word practice. By reason of practice. I think the point that the Hebrew writer is trying to get us to understand here when it comes to discerning or choosing what is right and wrong, it's the idea that there is a continued application of the word of God. He says, by reason of use. So what he's saying is, by continued application of the word of God or the standard of God in the life of the Christian, that enables us to discern properly. You see, again, it's not about what makes me feel good. It's not about what I like or even what I want. It's about what God says is right and wrong. And when we look continually to God's word, then that helps us to choose what is right and wrong. And it takes sometimes the difficulty of our own thought process out of the way. What I mean is a lot of times when we're discussing something with someone and we're trying to point out the error of a way maybe, then they'll just say, well, that's what you think. Well, it's easy when I can take myself out and say, no, it's what God's word has to say about it. Think about a new Christian. That's exactly what we're talking about here in Hebrews chapter 5. A new Christian can apply the simple truths of the first principles of the Bible. But as he grows, as he continues to mature in Christ, gaining more understanding, gaining more knowledge, making application as he or she goes... He increases his ability, just like anyone practicing any type of sport or any type of instrument or any type of trade or craft that they might do. It takes the first principles, building upon those for a person to be able to gain in ability and understanding and then to make more complex decisions or more complex things. I can learn to cut a board in half. I may be able to make a couple things out of that, but it may not be very pretty. But as I continue to work with wood, maybe, and make different designs, and I grow, then I'm able to make things that are more complex. That's maybe a little bit of a silly example, something that maybe seems a little odd, but yet that's what we do in our life. And sometimes we forget it when we become Christians. The recipients of the book of Hebrews, that we, this passage we just read, had failed in this. That is what this passage is pointing out. They had failed in this. Their spiritual growth was not only stunted, but as the Hebrew writer says here, they had gone back or reverted into infancy. They weren't growing. They were actually going backwards or getting worse when it came to their maturity and through that, their discernment. When we think about our lives, though, for the good of the soul, we need to develop the habit of weighing matters by God's standard, practicing discernment weighing matters by god's standard maybe you've heard this said before by your mother or grandmother or relative an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure or something like that much trouble can be prevented when we develop good habits including weighing matters by god's standard no matter who you are no matter who i am 
No matter what title or position we might hold here upon this earth, we're going to make mistakes. When it comes to discernment, we're going to slip up and mess up from time to time. Even the great wise people of the Bible made mistakes. They made mistakes in discernment. We think about Moses. We think about David. The list could go on and on. Of these people that we would hold up. We would place in our, our top four or top five or top ten of great people of the Bible have made mistakes in discernment, in judging, in choosing what would be right in a particular situation based upon what God would say. In Job chapter 32, excuse me, Job 32 and verse number 9, the Bible says, Great men are not always wise, nor do the aged always understand justice. We're going to make mistakes. The great people of the Bible, great people of faith made mistakes. But for the good of our own lives, for the good of our soul, we need to mature. We need to do better than those that the Hebrew writer was writing to. We need to do better than them that we continually practice and make a habit of weighing matters by God's standard throughout our life. So let's talk for a few moments about that tonight. When we think about good and evil, most people are against, and again, this is sort of a broad general statement, and I try to shy away from those many times from the pulpit, but, but most people in our world today are against any attempt to classify good and even and evil in spiritual matters. You'd be amazed sometimes. You think you, you might agree with a particular channel on TV, and you turn it there, and you find out that somebody's saying something you don't even agree with. And then you turn to the other channel or the other side of the aisle, we might say in politics, and you'll find out that somebody there says something you don't agree with because everybody wants to kind of ride the middle. They don't really want to call anything good or evil because they don't want to make any enemies in life, in politics, and in many other things. To these people, nearly all moral practices are good, and almost all religious teachings are right. Some people will use a flexible standard that's based upon an individual. Maybe we've said it before, they, they practice what we sometimes in a big word call postmodernism, but the idea that there's no absolute right or wrong. It's a tough way to live. It's a tough way to apply things sometimes. What that creates is a situation where every man becomes a god, if you will, a god unto himself. Because he can decide what's right and wrong. We think about Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 12. Proverbs 14 and verse number 12. The wise man says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. If this principle, if this idea of no absolute right and wrong were true, then no one could ever choose evil. No person could ever choose evil, provided that what he thought he was doing was good. That's the slippery slope that is sometimes created by this idea. But some people will do that. They'll be against calling things good and evil. But some ways are good. Some, thing, some ways are evil. Some things are good. Others are evil. And what we have to remember is that thinking and acting that it is good does not make the evil things good. No matter how much I wish, no matter how much I want, because I think if I just stole that money, then I would have lots of money. No matter how much I just think I need that money, I wish that I had that money. No matter how much I wish that, if I stole it, is it going to make that evil thing right? We're reminded as well of the words in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 20. Woe, woe to those 
who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And many of you think, well, that's, that's crazy. Why would anybody do that? But yet many of you might can even think back or hearken back into a time where the world called things good and evil, where things were defined as being right and wrong, and yet today we tend to bend those things to whatever whim a person might have, and it is a dangerous area to live in. Many people are against classifying good and evil in spiritual matters, but we need to be careful when we consider that type of idea. The right or wrong of a thing is not just a matter of personal thinking. Maybe we could sum up the lesson tonight in that simple statement. When it comes to discernment, the right or wrong of a thing is not just a matter of personal thinking. Truth and right are facts that are presented in Scripture. A person must change his mind to fit these things rather than changing them to fit his way of thinking. It's tough, but many people want to live that way when it comes to not only things that God has said in his word, but to many other things in life. We begin to try to practice those things, and oftentimes it leaves people kind of scratching their heads. You know, I mean, are we sure about that? We can't call something right or wrong? It is, more, it is more than futile to try to change right to fit oneself. It's not only more than that, it is an affront to God. It's not just a matter of personal thinking or personal preference when it comes to certain things. As we joked about even in our lesson this morning, the football team you cheer for, the type of food that you may like, all kinds of different things might be a matter of personal thinking or personal preference. But when it comes to many of the things in life that are right and wrong, we need to consider something bigger than ourselves. I don't know about you, but I'm able to take comfort in that. Sometimes we find ourselves at odds with that, and that makes us a little uncomfortable. We talked in our Bible class in here on Wednesday night about guilt. And I sort of made the joke even after class was over that, you know, a lot of times that feeling that we have in our stomach, and I've given you all sort of a hard time, and we joke around with each other about the preacher stepping on toes, you know, we kind of laughed about that. But a lot of times what that is is that's, that's guilt in ourselves. We recognize that we're at odds with what God's Word has to say, and then we kind of have to figure out how we're going to deal with that. Well, the easy way, the way that the world chooses, is just to say that it doesn't really matter. It's just a matter of whatever you think and whatever I think. And that is not only just futile because it doesn't do us any good, but it's really almost a slap in the face of God. We must be careful that we be able to discern when it comes to the things of this world. Let's think about a few biblical things tonight and what the Bible has to say about it. First of all, go to the Psalms, Psalm 37. Psalm 37, because the Bible speaks plainly of good and evil. The Bible speaks plainly of good and evil. Notice Psalm 37 and verse number 23. Psalm 37 and verse number 23. It says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. So is man good? I think that's what the psalmist is saying. But go over to Psalm 140 and verse number 1. Psalm 140 and verse number 1 says, Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men. 
So we would notice that mankind even is called good and evil. But keep going. Notice as well. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16. As Jesus is beginning the Sermon on the Mount there, as we call, call it, Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16, he says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. But you go on over to James. James chapter 3 and verse number 16. It says, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So are our works good or evil? Again, the Bible says yes, they're both. They can be good or they can be evil. One more for our consideration tonight. What about Luke chapter 8 and verse number 15? As we consider the heart, Luke 8 and verse number 15. Jesus says, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and what? A good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. We understand that Jesus is explaining the parable of the sower and there is good ground or a good heart. But what about Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 22? It says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So are our are, are hearts or conscience good or evil? Yes, the question is rhetorical. You understand that it can be one or the other. Can't necessarily be both. We've talked before about what Jesus has to say about those who would ride the fence, those who would try to be lukewarm or be in the middle. But our heart, our works... Ourselves can be good or we can be evil. We don't have time tonight, but I have a whole other list here. Good words or evil words. Good advice or evil counsel. A good name or an evil name. Good fruit or evil fruit. A good report or an evil report. All of these things the Bible says can be good and evil. Good and evil does exist. So back to our title, Practicing Discernment, we need to recognize that. It may seem silly to go through that exercise of looking at all those verses, but again, sometimes with some people, and even with ourselves when we're being dishonest, we have to go back to the fundamental principle that the Bible speaks very plainly of good and evil. Let's look at a few other examples of what the Bible speaks of in terms of discernment. Let's look at some Bible examples. First of all, tonight in Luke chapter 12 and verses 16 through 21, we find the idea of the foolish rich man, the fool, excuse me, foolish rich man, Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. You remember this particular man who was rich, whose ground and whose things yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? I will do this. I will pull down my barns and I will build greater and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But while he said, soul, that's great. Take it easy. God said, fool, fool this night, your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have 
provided. And then verse number 21, kind of bringing home there with the punch, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This foolish rich man was poor in in executing or practicing discernment. He made a poor judgment as he took stock in what he had done and what he had. He forgot to give the credit to God. He forgot to give the credit to the one who provided. He forgot to give the credit to the one, as we sing, from whom all blessings flow. He had a problem with discernment. He had a failure in discerning the good and the evil, the right and the wrong, and who to give the credit to. Notice as well in Luke chapter 10, maybe just a page back in your Bible, verses 38 through 42, Martha. We all know the story of Mary and Martha, who, as Jesus is coming, Martha is distracted in verse number 40. And in verse number 41, he sort of calls her out on it. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. A failure here to discern on what is most important in life. What really should get our attention. And what I want you to understand tonight, for a little side note here from the story of Martha, is a lot of times as we talk about discernment and we talk about these passages, we get very caught up in what's good and what's evil. We think about what this evil thing is that we should avoid. I would submit to you from even the story here of Mary and Martha, we need to be careful every day with our practicing discernment. In the things that we consider to be great, the job that we'll hold, the decisions we'll make for our family, and even the things that are little. Because what we do is we get caught up in the big decisions that we would call good and evil, and we forget the little things. Sometimes the way we spend our time, what we're doing in our free time, And and other little things like that, what we choose to wear, what we choose to say in a particular situation, all those little things, we need to practice discernment in everything. One more example here from John chapter 8 and verses 3 through 11. You recall here that this is a woman, or here in this passage, there is a woman who was caught in adultery, who was brought to Jesus. And of course, those who bring her to Jesus demand that the woman be stoned. But they've created a little bit of a problem here in their discernment. They make some mistakes. Of course, they did not bring the man as well, as we oftentimes point out. They make a spectacle of her by setting her in the midst of the crowd. They don't necessarily care whom they hurt, just so they kind of carried out and made their point. We're willing to shove her out there in front of everybody. They, of course, were willing to point out her sin, but not even consider their own sin. They pointed out her sin in an effort to make themselves feel better there's trouble sometimes in the judgments that we make if we're not careful when we worry more about what others are saying or doing than ourselves jesus discerned the matter properly here when he kind of set the record straight he he kind of told them that they should be more concerned about her future than just her past and these other things this is a story this is a particular occasion that many people like to point out and make a big scene about when it comes to the way that things should work in the world but we must be careful when we discern certain situations that we remember everything that goes into it that we're handling all of them in the way that the bible would have us to that god has told us to because these are not the only examples of those who have failed in discernment and we certainly don't want to be listed with these people a few guideposts if you will 
guideposts for wise discernment, and then the lesson will be yours. Number one this evening, or there's three things here, faith, hope, and love. If you have your Bible, look in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, specifically verses 24 through 25. If we want to practice wise discernment, what should we have? Well, we need to have faith, hope, and love. Consider the choice of Moses. Hebrews eleven twenty four through 25. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Faith led Moses to discern the right decision. So we need to have faith. We need to have hope. This also influenced Moses. Look at verse number 26 of Hebrews chapter 11. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He had that hope. That hope influenced Moses as well in discerning and making the right decision. And we think as well about love. John 14 and verse number 23. John 14, 23. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Scripture speaks in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 4 of those who would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. We have to have faith, hope, and love. And I would submit to you tonight, if you're seeking out faith, hope, and love, if you're causing those to be guideposts for you, then more often than not, you're going to make the right choice. You're going to be able to discern properly when it comes to a certain situation, whether that's a great, good, and evil thing, or whether that's as simple as what movie you go see, or where you're taking your kids, or what you're doing on your own time. Something that we might consider trivial, but yet adds up to making sure that we're making the right decision. As well tonight, courage. If you have your Bible, look in Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 28. Matthew 10 and verse number 28. Courage would surely help in making the right decision. Again, we consider the world that we live in today. Part of the problem we have sometimes with making the right choice is that we worry about what other people will say or what other people will think. Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 28, Jesus says, And do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. We have to have courage. Courage that no one here upon this earth can do anything to separate me from the love of God. Now I can, but no one else can. That no matter what that I do or what I say, I need to have the courage to make the right choice in light of the word of God, as we've said, so that others can see the truth of God, the word of God living in me. But that takes courage. When we're trying to make the right choice among things in our life, we have to have courage. We need to also have caution. You know, what looks good may not always be good. What appears to be sweet may be bitter, as we talked about earlier from the book of Isaiah chapter 5. We need to practice caution. Sometimes taking a minute to close those lips, taking a minute to fire up the old brain and think for just a second before we speak. To try to gather all of the facts about a situation before we jump to a conclusion. Not only do we have to have courage to say what's right, but sometimes we need to practice a little bit of caution considering everything about a situation. And then finally, investigation. Along the same lines, we should never reach a decision of consequence without fully investigating. 
without fully investigating. Have all the facts before you before you condemn others or plot a course for yourself. Deal with knowledge in a situation rather than presumption or gossip or rumors. It's hard sometimes. Boy, especially in that age of these little things we carry around with us where we, we can send messages or call somebody where we, we've got information in our fingertips. It's real easy to see something or think we see something and be willing to jump to a conclusion. I like faith, hope, and love. I think those are very important when it comes to the Bible matters, what the Bible has to say about things. But I like the other three as well. In our day-to-day life, courage, caution, and investigation would go a long way when we're trying to discern or judge in a matter. It is our duty to discern good and evil. It is our duty to throw out the evil and to keep the good. In our lives, and especially in the church, much trouble. Many things come sometimes when we do not practice And notice again from Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, that we do not by reason of use or reason of practice, by making it a good habit, by maturing and growing, when we do not practice good discernment. You know, I've said it before, but but God's word doesn't tell us how to pay our taxes. It doesn't tell us how to, to balance our budget. It doesn't exactly tell us in many ways how to lose weight or take care of our lives and many other things. But it does tell us a lot of things when it comes to our life a lot of things about how to live how to make life better for ourselves if we would practice what God's word has to say about many matters and that's what we'll leave you with tonight as we conclude our lesson and ask for you to consider your life you know one of the things that we must discern or judge is what we're going to do in this life what we're going to do with God's simple plan of salvation what we're going to do for all of eternity And guess what? We make that discernment, we make that judgment every single day with how we live. You say, no, 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 I'll put it off. I'll save it for another time. But no, every morning when you wake up and every night when you go to bed and every day that you live, you're judging. You're practicing discernment on how you'll respond to God's invitation. Tonight, maybe you've been delaying that. Your judgment, your discernment has been to set it aside to wait. Listen another time. We would be singing in just a moment to encourage you that you would not delay any longer. The horrors of hell are real. The joys of heaven are real. Christ shed his blood that we can have the remission of our sins. If we would be baptized for that remission, immersed into the water, not to have the dirt washed off our skin, but to have the sin removed from our life. Maybe you've done that, but you've wandered away. Your judgment has been to do what you want to do. Your judgment has been to to set aside what God's word has said, to make your own choices about things. God extends his second law of pardon. We can come back to him. We can repent of our sin and pray for forgiveness. And he is willing to do that for us. He is faithful. He will forgive us just as he has said that he would. Maybe you're here tonight and you're struggling. Maybe you're struggling with any number of things in your life and discerning between things that you have in front of you. Maybe it's good and evil. Maybe it's some great choice. Maybe it's the trivial matters that we go through day in and day out. Rely upon God's word. Go back to the standard to call things good and evil, right and wrong. It won't steer you wrong. You may make a few enemies here upon this earth. You may have people that will make fun of you or or jeer or, or, or give you a hard time or not want to talk to you. But it will not steer you wrong. And may we always practice good discernment. 
If you're here tonight and you're subject to the Lord's invitation, we'll be singing to encourage you as we stand together and as we sing.